You are now listening to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. It's uh, very important to be with conscious African women and men. And I'm very excited to see Conscientization 101, to see Sister Zari there and the brother James and uh, to see that you have started an organization to conscientize the world, especially African people about what's really going on in this world. Conscientization 101. A lot of these people right now in this conscious, so-called conscious movement, they're not actually living in that, in that lifestyle. Bakers. That's why, you know, obviously yourself, we're on the same sort of frequency. That's why you're listening to the same things I'm listening to because we're sharing that same sort of thought. We want the same sort of things and a lot of people don't want the same sort of things. Even yourself, what you're doing now is for the people. So everything is people-based. Globally conscientizing. What's making me proud of what um, this kind of connection here is that, you know... Well, no matter what is said, no matter what is done, um, you, you leave that, you leave listening to our music with a feeling. The same way we're going to leave this conversation with a feeling. And um, that is the most important thing you know, for, for I and I, the, the vibe and the energy and the feeling that you leave with. Because you might not remember every lyric, but you're going to remember the feeling. So um, that's, 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 that's really important, and that's what I'm getting from what you're doing. Doing, doing, doing. Jenny, salute when you're 
you see me, you see me, you see me. No Wayne, but I'm Millie, I'm Millie. Want what's mine, so give me what's for me. Been on this thing since Biggie and Diddy. Salute when you see me, you see me, you see me. Men, I got singing like Millie Vanilli. Just told the judge, give me a 10 or a 20. What to my little cuss, Kim and on Jenny. Salute when you see me, you see me, you see me. Never been too fancy, fine If I can find food in a pantry If I can't, switch to anti Rough around the edges, nah, no, never been a pansy Can't take bad man for Bambi More like the Lion King, better try a plan B then I'll let the man be I get angry and switch to militancy Went for militancy Nearly never live for see this century Is it me just call for my infantry Ready on the front line instantly Mama raised me up too militantly From a pitney Always been a militant G Named after Mamiya Jamal Set all the political war prisoners free Ask Fred Hampton and Huey P And I lose in a race of humanity True like a faith too much vanity So I do it for myself I don't do charity Never beg friend Just build family Might not be blood but we're still family Words on my bond Put it on my balls That's a real guarantee They say I'm too millionaire What they really mean is I'm really too black Sit if they try Can we off like Tupac Seven days later Guess who's back Come on mama Could I had her an abortion Before I ride the white horse Or the full forceman Return if forever enemy And haunt them Sean Paul We deport them Now support them I'm Millie, I'm Millie Want what's mine, so give me what's for me Been on this thing since Biggie and Diddy Salute when you see me, you see me, you see me Men I got singing like Millie Vanilli Just tell the judge, give me a 10 or a 20 What to my little cuss, Kim and on Jenny Salute when you see me, you see me, you see me No Wayne, but I'm Millie, I'm Millie Want what's mine, so give me what's for me Been on this thing since Biggie and Diddy Salute when you see me, you see me, you see me Men I got singing like Millie Vanilli Just tell the judge, give me a 10 or a 20 What to my little cuss, Kim and on Jenny Salute when you see me Another episode of the Conscientization 101 Podcast. I'm your host and senior editor, James Stone, along with my co-host and managing editor, Zari Sandiata, on our 54th episode of Conscientization 101 podcast. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while, and it's good to be back with you after, you know, our last episode that was back in 2019. Now, I, that that's not a long time in the grand scheme of things, but I know for the podcast and you have to stream and strop and all this other crap and, and every trend. trend, yes, and every five seconds. That's like ages ago. I mean, that's like the caveman in Europe's Ice Age or something like that. But really, it's not that long of a time ago. But but in that short time frame, you know what I'm saying, uh, um, the world literally said... Crazy, huh? I mean, for real. Everybody... That was, you know, ensconced in their full sense of security that one can only have living in an imperialist nation. You know, they were kind of uh, forced to maybe admit that maybe something is a little wrong here. Maybe a little bit. Just a little bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, hell literally froze over. It sure did. I mean, we're, we're from hell, okay? That uh, another you uh, a euphemistically called Texas, and they couldn't handle it either. They didn't know how to handle it at all. They didn't know how to handle it. They were like, "Oh God, can we sell some more Texas strong shirts?" Oh yeah, got those shirts in the middle of a hurricane and a freeze. <laughs> it was freezing. It was like, "Don't worry, Jesus loves you." I guess I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Free Bibles for everyone while your ass freezes. I don't know. That's the great Lone Star State for you. You know what I'm saying. Don't really plan for anything, you know, climate change shit. That ain't happening here. You know, we live in God's country. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, you know, it seems all this, you know, all the uh, turmoil happened. You had, you know, like George Floyd. It was a lot of stuff that happened in this, like, two-year time frame since we last posted. You know, know, the uprising. And it seemed like, you know... Um, one thing I want to actually mention before uh, we even move on to talk about all this crazy stuff that happened between now and the last podcast episode, uh, we lost um, very important people. You know what I'm saying? We lost um, the senior editor. That's where I even got the title senior editor for. I said, hey, that's what I am, a senior editor. And we actually used a lot of their template. Yeah, yeah, a lot of their template for a Black Agenda Report. The senior editor there, Glenn Ford, passed away in 2020. Um Glenn Ford, uh, we actually did an interview with Glenn Ford. It's in the podcast. It's on the podcast. It's one of the podcast episodes. Uh, we actually did that when the, the time we went to uh, NYC. Um, we had been listening to Glenn Ford, I, like, 07, 08? Yeah, 07, 08. That's right. Yeah. And when he, Obama was running. When Obama was running. But he was doing his thing before that. You know, oh, way before he, that. He was a, uh, wasn't he a White House correspondent? Yeah, and time? He, had a, he had a several different... Radio, radio shows. stations and stuff with James Brown. Uh huh. And yeah. he had like different associations he was a part of and a whole bunch of stuff. Whole bunch of stuff. It was a very accomplished brother and his politics was on point in terms of understanding uh, imperialist agenda, in terms of understanding, you know, just geopolitical politics. Um, was definitely, I would consider him a pan Africanist, right? He was an author too. He was an author. Yeah. I mean, he was he was very astute. He was the first one in the States, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, to my knowledge. I didn't say the only one or, the, you know, the first one or whatever. I don't I know everybody wants to be the first. And, you know, they, they've embedded you with the Negro mentality. Am I the first? <laughs> 
But the first one, to my knowledge, to our knowledge, to Zari's knowledge, actually, I think um, Zari actually uh, put me on to uh, Glenn Ford um, to actually just come out hard swinging at the, in the time of Obama. He was swinging on Obama when Obama came out uh, when he made that in speech. In 2004, the Democratic Yeah, Democratic, Democratic, when he said, there is no black America, there is no white America, there is no black America, whatever the fuck that shit means. And they were going in on Obama when Obama was Jesus. Yeah, they were going on when he was Jesus, but they went in on him on that time when it was like, have you seen this Negro's politics in Chicago? Right. Do you see who he hangs with? The Israeli lobby, the Zionist lobby, the Wall Street lobby, the Hollywood lobby. But there's no black president, no black, I mean, I'm sorry, there's no black, black people, people, no white people. You would just have Western culture, you know. Yep. You know, you got to ask yourself something. If a, if a bunch of rich, multi-millionaire, billionaire, trans-globalist, nationalist people are supporting this black guy, you best believe he's not serving African interests. No. Okay. They he, give you lip service. Uh, yeah. And Obama didn't even seem to give you lip service. No. Because he would always backtrack on it. He would it. backtrack. He'd be like, yeah, I know it's racism, but... Yeah. I mean, I remember when he was on the campaign trail, and, and, and the Negro actually said that we are 99% uh, finished with the racial oh, yeah. problem. You remember that? Yeah. I don't know where he got his numbers from. I don't either. How do you uh, measure that? The, the shit they get away with. And then when you talk to other black people, well, you know, he's right because, you know, you, you know, when white people accept you, that means racism is gone. <laughs> Haven't got an extra quota of power in the utmost. No, nope, that's not what they're they, looking for. When they, when they put, bestow that love on you, mm-hmm. they, 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 they like it. It's gone. It's 99% gone. <laughs> You know, all you got If I can marry one of them, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, joy. <laughs> well, that's what you said. There's an assimilation propagandistic media. Yeah, okay, yes, this is transitioning. I'm sorry, but I wanted to mention Glenn Ford. Big up to Glenn Ford. Big up to Dr. Africa, you know, who we lost to. Big up to Black the Ripper. Black the Ripper is featured very prominently on our website. Uh, that was another brother. He on Obama Nation during yep, that time. At the same that's time. where I, I I found out who uh, Dean West was. That's Black the Ripper's government name. I, he he came out. I like people like this. He came out on Obama Nation. It was on Loki's album. He came. It was Obama Nation remix because it had M1 on it uh, as well. He came out talking about. He was just calling him out for his neo-colonialist agenda, right? Not only that, I, I like when you just ride. Because to me, I'm like an old school. You ride on everything. I like <laughs> if you like if you my enemy. I don't like to mess with nobody. I'm not you know ultra aggressive. But once you take it there, then I think you should dissemble everything. You need to destroy everything. If you kick somebody, if somebody's down and you put them on the ground, and say don't kick a man when he's down. You better burn their ass when they down. <laughs> That's how. I, if you get in the square with me, I'm I seek to destroy utterly and completely. Okay. <laughs> But he said, Obama, in, the, in, in, in a nutshell, in the last verse, he said, even all you can get, even Michelle, too. I mean, I. Oh, yeah, he went in. He went in. And he it's sure just, did. You know, I know, you know, towards the, like, the latter end of the career, a lot of people, you know, he was really uh, a proponent of uh, marijuana and, you know, unabashedly saying, fuck these man made laws, man made laws, because to me, they don't exist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He would do pop ups wherever in public with weed. Which is funny to me, I don't know. Yeah, she, she. I don't know why that's so. Zari funny. really likes like, that I line. They don't exist. So I'm just gonna do what I want. Okay, <laughs> These man-made laws, and to me, don't exist. So I light up everywhere. You know, 
He was a very insightful uh, young brother. He was only uh, 32 years of age when he passed on. So, again, big shout out to, to Black the Ripper. Uh, it's going to be missed. That rebel spirit, that rebel African spirit is going to be missed. But, uh, you know, when there, since Obama declared what it was in 04, there was no black people. As we can see, fast forward, during a global pandemic, oh, man, all hell kind of broke loose, right? And they were thinking they was just going to have a, a white folks thought they was going on safari. Okay, that's what white folks like to do. Oh, I want to go to Africa and go to Safari. Where's Safari? Wherever there's a nigga. That's what they. That's what they thought. That is what they thought. You know, they got a little happy, and then uh, you know we. Now, that's the thing about us Africans. We we people try to say, oh, you know, we're scared. We're nonviolent. Nah, we we'll whoop that ass. Mm-hmm. That's the only problem is we don't have unity, as Kwame Tori said, unity of it's thought. Not. We don't have, which means we don't have unity of intentionality. So our intentions are different, but you try to, you slap one of us, and you see what you get. We're going to whoop that at, and they kind of know that. That's why they have your your phones, which are computers, sending you information all day, and they don't want you to break away from that because they want to always control your intentionality. And I say all that to say this because Zari kind of alluded to it earlier back when I, we was just talking now, that pretty much what you saw to counter you know, this kind of awakening, trying to find an intentionality. And me, remember, people, study and organization what's going to get you a universe. Una, uh, I'm sorry, unity of uh, of ideology and uni, uni, unity of thought. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be, I'm off of my own in the woods. Yo, I, I got this secret <laughs> recipe. And if I'm in, in a mitten, the woods. I'm in the woods because I'm trying to get one with nature. You know, the white man don't like nature. So if I get in the woods and I in a minute fast, then I ain't got to organize. Then I can go home. And then after that, I will say, hotel. hotel. Doesn't really work like they, that. Well, you got to say hotel like five, 15 times a day. Five to 15 times yeah, a day. Yeah, kind of on some Candyman shit. Like, as they brought, brought that shit out again for you Negroes who like, yeah, you see, they can't deny us with Candyman. <laughs> I'm trying to think, did the designers media come up with that title, Candyman? I'm just wondering, because there's a big black dude who like white women named Candyman. At least the, I ain't seen the new version because I don't care. I oh, read, but I don't care. But I remember he liked the white woman. He was a slave. and I guess that's why they called him the Candyman. They would think you think because they poured, put douse honey on him and say, we're going to douse honey on a nigga and have bees eat him up. Now, let's call this nigga Candyman. Watch your white woman because Candyman is on the prowl. He wants some of that white candy. Yeah, he wants some of that, that sugar candy. <laughs> that imperial sugar. From Tate and Lyle. <laughs> Shout out to Ragazula Rebel, Rolling Stone, right? <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm going... <laughs> a lot of stuff has happened, but they they try to counter it with the propaganda. And you got to... You gotta, this dribble, as I can say, this trash, this hot, steaming, dung of all this assimilationist propaganda media that has been spewed like for the past two decades, right? It's been slowly trickling, but now this woke up shit Uh. with the the Negroes. I'm a strong black person. Where's my white man? Where's my white man? (laughs) The black voices with the white story and just one black person on it. Yeah, I I like the also black voices category where it's a black voice and then one one movie, it said black voice, it was on Amazon. It was just a black voice and it was about the journey of an African-American and how he tried to pursue this white girl. <laughs> that was his black voice. 
get that sugar. That's the black voice. He was a candy man. <laughs> that was he trying to get some of that sugar. That's my black voice. That's the black voice. You know. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's like it's like the only time you see an African person in mainstream. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me let me define mainstream because I I do the, do air quotes when it because you can't see my. My quoting, my two thumb, <laughs> my two index fingers, well, no. Your middle index. My middle index fingers on both hands going mainstream. <laughs> See, just picture them going down right there. Mainstream. <laughs> that means white, white folks. folks. You know, the only time you see them on mainstream, white folks, programming, they're involved, like I just said. And so you've got a black story, it's an interracial relationship. If, it, if it's, mar- but, but here's the kicker though, guys. You're going to agree with me on this one, right? If it's if it's a show marketed as a black show, oh, this is a gritty black show, and it's some black, it's a black man and a black woman. What's up? What's up? Right? <laughs> that's a real, that's a real authentically black show, and they're selling drugs. They're selling drugs, and they like selling drugs. They like, I, yeah, I love that. You know, this is what I'm good at. This is my aspiration in life. And then, then they got this new shit out. This is the real woke up shit. Woke did it, woke did it. This new one as of late is, and, and you're seeing this shit a lot. And here's the thing, I, you know, I have a, I wouldn't have a problem with it as much. I do have a problem with it, but I'm like, here's the thing. I don't go look, let me go ahead and tell you what I'm talking about. You'll see an African man or even woman, but they're, and, and they're at least phenotypically, they're, you know, you know they're, they're, they can, they get past the skin test culturally. I don't mm-hmm, think so, right? No. But they're be involved in a homosexual interracial relationship. What? What? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. What's I the know. word? Is the word coup de gras? Like that's their ultimate? Is that? The yeah, word? Uh, <laughs> that's the ultimate. Yeah, the apex. <laughs> uh, you know, they like. Yeah, now we get it. You know, it's 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 it's. You know, you you, you think about this, man. You know. So people got FOMO, but they want to be homos. That <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense to me. But that's what it seems like. They're in a meeting. They're in a planning me- meeting, and, you know, and they're, they're coming up with this. Okay, we need to have black voices, and we need to make sure that uh, you see a black man with a white man. And we know who the bottom is. Well, they are in a meeting. We know that. We are. Exactly. Yeah. If, if we got This to, is not some conspiracy yeah, thing. Yeah, if, if we sit up there and wrote this, and we, you know... We have a, a meager budget, shoestring budget. These guys are dealing with budgets of millions and millions of dollars. They can get it out the next day. And get it out the next day, have propaganda from here to all over the globe. And you're seeing this gay and racial crap. And then it's being marketed as black voices or whatever the they call it now. Right? And, you know, you think about it. You enter in Netflix. They're, they're a big offender of this shit. Netflix, HBO. The CW, oh my fucking god, that's just that should be called a perv W. <laughs> and all your favorite, and here's the thing: these are your liberal progressive media. Yep. Because you know they play that little left wing, right right wing thing, as opposed to saying, "Hey, if we're African centered, we're not on no parts of that bird." I know that's right. We ain't got no truck on none of that, none of those goddamn birds, wings and you know chicken and breasts and none of that shit. I don't want none of it. Okay. But these are the progressive people. Then they play the right wing. Oh, the right wing don't want don't want you to don't want white people and black people to touch each other. Oh, guess what? We're liberal. You know, we for black people. We want to play with you in all kind of nasty ways. Yeah. And back to what I was saying. You know, I, you know, I have a problem. I have a major problem with it because it's not African culture. I just want to say that right right there. You know, here's the thing. I don't watch a lot of TV, so I'm I'm you know 
And they got that category of all the alphabets, A, B, C, D, Q, whatever. Hey, man, if that's what you're going to watch, hey, man, I ain't watching that shit. I don't want to watch it. But the thing is, that this is how you know how predatory it is. They try to sneak your ass. And if you were, you know, a younger person and y'all watching some shit, you know, a young person like a young kid or a nephew, niece or something, you say, okay, we're going to turn this on, right? We're going to turn this on, right? So you go to turn that on. Y'all watching some. Y'all think it's one thing. Next thing you know, Two men start to kiss. You're like, what the f is Shizzy? Go How come y'all didn't have this in the in description? I wouldn't have turned this shit on. They tricked you. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I mean, see, that's a, that's how a predator gets you. You just like to do Say, hey, baby, come to my house. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm safe. Don't worry about it. Here, let me get you a drink. You want to come pet my puppy? You want to pet my puppy? Whatever. What the hell? Okay. Wow. That's a new one. I hope Netflix isn't listening to that. That's going to be the new Black Voices. Hey, Black Voices, the new Black Voice. Pet my puppy. <laughs> I want them to pet my puppy, honey. <laughs> y'all, y'all are laughing, but they're going to have that shit up there. I mean, they're going to have the now. You know, it's crazy because now, men, oh, God. men. Oh, I'm sorry, people who were born in the wrong body, men, <laughs> are actually now better women than actual yep. women yep crazy world we live in but this is their response you know they want to you know hey this is their liberal progressive and they're basically they're not asking what they're progressing you into right they're progressing you into plato's Plato, greco roman k it's all inclusive right including you into all the nasty shit western culture has to offer you know so um, we're glad we're kind of back to kind of counter all this madness and kind of give a different take on it. And I know you all listening to this podcast appreciate that because it's just like way too much. You know what I'm saying? Just like it's like, oh, it's a black voice. Oh yeah, honey, I had to get out the ghetto and play basketball. <laughs> uh, you know, oh that's oh you know, oh yeah, honey. You know, and then you got you know, the gay and a racial. I'm a strong black woman. How come white men always do this? How come next thing you know she in the bed with the white yep. man? She can't resist them. Can't resist them. Mm -hmm. And it's like two black people, if they're on a mainstream white folks show, they can't talk to each other. They're like... Yeah. And they're, they have no family members. They have no, The black people have no family members. They don't come from anywhere. Yeah, the, you never see the white folk going to uh, uh, Aunt, Aunt Geraldine and them house. Yeah. They're going to Aunt Geraldine and house. They live in the co little, little cousin Billy, little cousin Cedric and shit, and the white man playing around with them. No. Nope. The, the, the Negro or the Negress is always there. Gratuitously available yep. for the white family. Always. You know. That is the template. That is the template. That's they're including you in that shit. Mm -hmm. You That's your inclusion, your sub-integration. That's you get for petting that puppy. <laughs> anyway, uh, where were we? Oh yeah. In spite of all this, uh Neo uh Gobelian, you know, like Joseph Goebbels, Goebbels, Goebbels. This is I consider this Neo. Gobelian propaganda aimed at the world's African population. You know, our people are, are still rebelling and did rebel during this global pandemic. You know why? Because frankly, we couldn't take the sheer insanity and brutality of our global subjugation. It was just, it was just crazy. But like we kind of mentioned before, you know what I'm saying? Not organized, you know, uh, and it's only organization, like we said before, gives you that cogent and common ideology. 
which leads to the formulation of clear objectives, you know? And so, you know, true to themselves, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're still talking about the propaganda, how they're countering all this. They roll out all the good old neo-colonial, neoliberal comprador solutions as the panacea to our colonial subjugation, you know? If you really look at it, you know, we suggest, uh, if you really want to delve deeper into this, we have a book on the website. We always talk about this book. It's called Robert Allen's Black Awakening in Capitalist America, an Analytical History, you know. And we're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, uh, if you want to know more about this imperialistic tactic, this neocolonial, neoliberal comprador shit, i.e. black business type uh, shit. Yeah, I was going to say. I know you want to talk about it. We're going to link to that in the show notes, but go ahead, Zara. I know you want to talk more about well, that. Well, this black capitalism is just completely like, it's just flooding everybody, right? To the point where nobody even criticizes capitalism anymore. It's not a problem, right? And the only thing we're supposed to be happy about is this one black person who can own and can, and they don't even own anything, right? Yeah. They're usually just the face, yeah. okay? From some private equity firm that bought the company or helped them develop it, right? But that's the, that's the goal now is not to have collective wealth. It's just this one individual we're supposed to be happy and we're supposed to have the trickle-down economics where this one person who usually don't have no relationship to black people has control or, or is the face of some black company, right? So I think that if you don't read any other book this year, read Robert Allen because it re- you'll see it. It'll be so clear because it's everywhere. That That is our solution, more capitalism. That's it. That's what they tell us our solution is. And black capitalism, just like a, a black uh, African woman trying to straighten her hair, it just ain't right because when yeah. it rain, y'all going to be scared running and shit like, oh, shit, it's raining. <laughs> oh, shit. Right, because you don't even own anything that's no. necessary. No. And like I said, you don't own it, really. But, you, you know, you might have a, a stake in it, but you don't have any kind of interest in anything that's necessary. But but more importantly, let's see you talk about it. Even if you did own and have a stake in it, the collective African world community, we didn't decide what this business venture is. We don't own the means of production. So even if you do really well off of it, you're trying to extrapolate your individual success. And I'm uh, the collective African worldwide community has to live vicariously through you. You know what I'm saying? We're not stockholders in that shit. No, well, we're supposed to hope for trickle-down economics. Oh, yeah. At which they actually, uh, uh, trickle-down is the euphemism, but when they really get real nasty and racist, they call it voodoo economics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Voodoo. Ec- that was the term I heard all coming up in the Reagan era in the 80s because I was a little kid. Voodoo economics. That racist shit. So the thing is, we don't own any of that, any of that stuff. And I just want to give you a quick antidote. Zara and myself were at a store. Young sister came up to me. There was these vitamins that looked like doggy chews. Okay, they look like shit. I mean, they look like, man, they look like somebody chewed them up, spit them in the fucking uh, vitamin uh, bottle, and said, hey, you know, and the sister came up to us. Young sister said, oh, they're black owned, right? You know, and it's probably some black owned person who's married to like this white person or she's, they're in some gay interracial relationship. No, they were at a, a, a very exclusive. Uh, a white store, d- grocery store, right? Uh, second of all, all the profits goes to this one black person. We didn't decide. Did she consult the black community and say, okay, now we're going to come up with these vitamins. I own the means of production. I own, uh, we own the factory. We own the herbs that go into this. We own the gelatin to make them gel and all this other stuff. And But then we're going to go to the white folks and they're going to have to, we're going to beg them for distribution. Yeah. 
That's how it go. And guess what? White folks only partner with you. When I say white folks, I'm talking multinational corporations. I ain't talking about them little white folks that they might send after you as a crash dummy to come shoot you and stuff that you're supposed to be afraid of. But y'all love these big multinational corporations, these big devil white folks. Y'all think they the good guys because they want to partner with you. They don't partner with you. Partner with white folks mean they you you my slave, nigga. Let me give you a, a, another example. I mean, we don't control any of that stuff. And just the fact that this one Negro, even if the Negro was married to another Negro, because I can just say, well, what if they married to a black person? Think about it. Collectively, what do we get out of it? The store We have a capitalist society. The store that we were at are going to make more money than that black girl. That, that sister that, that put them vitamins out there, the young sister that told her, put her to us, she's falling into that capitalist propaganda because we don't have institutions to counter this narrative because they pulled this, they've been doing this trick for the last 100 years. I give you another example, okay? You think these motherfuckers want to, the, the first time Negroes done had a business and stuff. Let me give you an international example. Take Cuba. All Cu- Y'all don't be like, well, oh, Cuba. I had somebody tell me Cuba was in Mexico. It was like, you know, I'm tired of these Mexicans coming over what? from Cuba. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I was like, it was, it was dirty Mexicans from Cuba. <laughs> Jesus. I love living in Texas sometimes. I'm telling you, man. Oh, God. But uh, the point is, when Che, Fidel, you know, uh, 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 and all them took to the mountains and, and stuff like that, Juan Almeida and all them, and they had that, rep- they was fighting so they could have sovereignty and own the means of production that was stolen from them like when, during the Spanish-American War when they kicked the Spanish out. The Marines came there, occupied the island. It was during, what was it? The, I think it was the Plat Amendment, if I'm recalling this correctly. Just look it up if, you, if it's not. And they said, you're going to write the Constitution the way we say we're going to write it. We're going to own this. We're going to have so much say. And if it looks like American interests, we're going to be your big brother. We can intervene on your behalf, meaning our behalf at any point. So that country, lock, stock, and barrel, was controlled by a bunch of comprador classes up in, up in, up in there. So a few people uh, 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 owned, uh, and you could say, oh, Cuba was prosperous then. And guess what? You know, Cuba was one of the places where a lot of the first and a lot of the Africans being transferred into slavery and enslavement were brought to Cuba. So it, was a, it still is to this day a large African population in Cuba. So when you see them people a little dark or whatever, whatever, that means they got some African blood. If they, you can't say, well, they ain't, they not necessarily look African, but that darkness is African stock. But Cuba has a lot of African population and Spanish and other European, but the main European uh, extraction there is Spanish. And they were the upper echelons. They had it like similar to Jim Crow there. Uh, Africans couldn't go to the beach. But hey, that's when Cuba was thriving, when they was in, they was partners with America. They was partners with Che, bunch of prostitution and gambling. Gambling. The mob was there. You know what I'm saying? Meyer Lansky and all them. They was just set up. It was called known as as the whorehouse of the Caribbean. Okay. Now, Che. Now, I'm saying this because y'all don't think most people don't think of an African population nation when they think of Cuba, but it is. But you see the white people there, right? So, let's if you're thinking like, oh, well, they, they do that. They, they they won't do that to white people. They do it to black people, right? Well, think about Cuba. It has geopolitical standing, how it's in relationship to the United States. All they want to do is control their destiny, and they got a raw deal because right, they was fighting this war with the Spanish. And just like America came in and swooped on somebody when they down, 
and then let them get off the ground. That's how you do it. If you want to win with bastards like that, when they on the ground, kick their ass. I know that's right. Kick their ass. Y'all want to know why beforehand you ain't getting no black voices. We had a coherent ideology. We know what we want. But you getting all this black programming because we said, fuck this shit. We rebelling. Oh, shit. The niggas. The niggas. Get them niggas a TV program. We love black people. Watch and be entertained. Oh, give them a new holiday. Give them a new holiday that only is talking really regional to Texas. I ain't, what the fuck is that? But anyway, my point is, they don't want Cuba to be sovereign. So now we're supposed to believe they want to partner with black people and they want us to change the power paradigm. When they partner with you, they ain't changing no oh, power no, no, paradigm. No, no, they're giving you a little slither. They giving you a, they loosening up to get a tighter grip. They loosening up to get a tighter grip. Otherwise, why would there be an embargo on Cuba? Okay? So you mean to tell me they gonna do that to Cuba, but they love your black ass so much because of the moral, they moral compasses has been found because we done cried and prayed and <laughs> suffered it with all these good suffered white folk. In. And now they got gay interracial on TV. <laughs> you better wake the fuck up. Not not right. you listening audience. <laughs> Some of the people that are around you that get on your goddamn nerves like me. <laughs> that's that's what I mean. So yeah, so I just wanted to say that Robert Allen's Black Awakening, Capitalist America, and Analytical History. So um then think about it. So now we're in this, as of now, we're in this crazy world of vaccines and the Uber imposition of a Greco Roman clearly. Caliglian, Caliglian, <laughs> Greco-Roman Caliglian type media culture. Y'all look up Caliglia, Caliglia, if y'all don't know who that nasty motherfucker is. <laughs> That's what they want. That's progressive. They want everybody. Oh yeah, I'm Caligula. I do a horse. I do anything. I'm a nasty mother. Oh, that's so progressive. We progressing into Caligula, and now they got this. You know, like, a, and they got this renewed uh, drive toward African genocide under the guise, like we said, of liberal progressive inclusion. You know, under that wing of Western imposition, which is the worst wing. Which is the worst wing because they just they just want to help you sick. out. We want you to be a strong black people. Here's 50 white women for you. <laughs> we love black people. You better not get what you better not say you like heterosexual relationships with another black woman oh, yeah. or a black man. That's horrible. That's awful. Where are you progressing to? You're so behind the times. You know, mixed people are all the rage. Those are the type of black people we are. They're authentic to us. They give real black voices. Because <laughs> if you keep going that way, your black ass will be gone. Yep. That's the black we like. You'll be a race eraser. There you go. A race eraser. Zari Sundiata <laughs> coined the term. Race, race eraser. Eraser. <laughs> race eraser. Brought to you by Netflix, CW, yep. Hulu, and all that liberal progressive <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but, you know, like I said again, we know you, our listening audience, know all this, and we want to personally thank all of our listeners and supporters of being stalwart warriors because that's what you are in our fight because this is not you know we're, we're not oh yeah we're saying this we're not we can die too we got you know we don't we don't live in the let's sorry let's go off into the our you know uh the the realm of Akibulan where we don't <laughs> have to see any of this bullshit <laughs> it doesn't it's, our, all, it's all our fight against this blatant attempt 
to utterly destroy life on the planet. Uh, and guys, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because when you mess up the balance, like they're doing with the earth, when you mess up the balance between man and woman, and y'all know on this show, where I ain't coming from no Judeo-Christian, nothing. Okay, but when you mess up the balance and stuff like that, and for some childish uh, uh, fetish and saying, it feels good to me, this, but I want to do just childish. You know, and, and, and it's right before your eyes. You a strong black person when you can be not with another black person. You are strong, you can build, a, a, it's man and woman together that creates the nation, but you are in supposedly in a progressing, inclusive, they're not saying where you're progressing to, where you include to, when you in some weird, freaky type shit going down, okay? Y'all know I'm not exaggerating when I say this is genocidal, okay? Because here at Conscientization 101, we're all about no gas, no trash tool Strictly roots, black fool Why you talking about chat fool? Cut that out, chat fool No gas, no trash tool Strictly roots, black fool Why you talking about chat fool? Cut you out, Now, all right After you heard that long, we're back, you know Just wanted to get you, like, set that up Let's get into our 54th episode Today on this 54th episode, we will be playing excerpts from part one of a dialogue we had with our brother. Y'all heard him at the top? Y'all heard him at the top? Our brother, Rago Rago. Zulu Zulu. Rebel. Rebel. And this dialogue, we entitled it, Rago Zulu Rebel Emeritus, the Eloquence of a Scribe. Wow, that didn't she say that eloquently? That was, that's why I didn't say it. <laughs> now y'all know Raga was a frequent guest on the show, so we don't have to go into his vitae here. But for those of you who are new to the show, please check out our previous episodes with Raggo to get his full vitae. Now this particular dialogue took place on September 4th, 2021, and it went for over Three, three hours. hours. So we had to break this dialogue up into two parts. And you are about to hear excerpts from part one. And as always, we will let you know how to get the unabridged interview at the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. You might be asking yourself, why did we call this dialogue Ragazula Rebel Emeritus, the eloquence of a scribe? Well, we hate to be the bearer of bad news, but... We have to drop a bomb on you. Ragazula Rebel is unfortunately retiring from music. We know, we know. But let's look at the term emeritus. Emeritus means of the former holder of an office, especially a college professor, having retired but allowed to retain their title as an honor. All right, y'all, y'all got that? Now, when we look at Rago Zulu Rebel's body of work, we not only see that it is epigrammatic, but it is also the epistemological expression of revolutionary pan-African praxis. Mouthful. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but that's what we do in Conscientization 101. Look up epigrammatic. Look up epistemological. Look that up because that's what his work is. It is not only epigrammatic, 
but it is also the epistemological expression of revolutionary pan-African praxis. Now, the, the term revolutionary pan-African, I actually got that from uh, Dr. Julian Cooney. He's on our podcast as well. Uh, check that out. But I just finished reading this uh, these works from Chin Weizu that I actually that we actually make av- available on the site. Just type in Chin Weizu and you'll find them. And uh, he uses the term, I like this term as well, black power pan-Africanism. And I like that. That's real accurate. I like the revolutionary pan-Africanism uh, because it, it tells you from what class standpoint, not elite. It's going to be bottom up, not top down. But I also like uh, black power uh, pan-Africanism because it gets the constituency right. They saw back in the day that the white folks in South Africa was a problem. But some kind of way, they didn't see the, the Arabs who since the 6th century had been pushing into North Africa and wanted want to take over the whole continent. We talk about, you know, we, people say, oh, the, uh, I'm a, my Nubian queen and Nubia queen. Do y'all ever ask yourself, where did Nubia go? The Arabs invaded. Now they call it the Sudan. Do you know what the Sudan means? Land of the Blacks. So we didn't name it Land of the Blacks. That's what they refer to it. And Arab encroaching and invasion was pushing what they to what into what they call the Western Sudan. The Western Sudan are all those West African states that are not along the coast. You ever wonder why all in that area from Senegal and they talk about uh, Mali and all that, why they were Muslim? And Northern Nigeria. Yeah. And Northern Nigeria. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because that's where they were pushing to. They wanted to, they, look at what they did in Libya. They conquered all of North Africa. And the only thing that stopped them, right, well, put a stop to it because we, we, you know, the stop that kind of gave them a halt it was when Western imperialism came and said, oh, we want some of this now, right? So when you say, you know, don't make it clear who the constituency is, um, you think, say, I want to be Pan Africanism. Well, Pan Africanism has to include African people. Black and African can be used interchangeably if you have that intentionality. I'll just say African because I know people don't a lot of times think like that right now. But I use it interchangeably, okay? But we got to get the constituency right because just as we can recognize the Boers, just as we can recognize the Germans in Tanzania were invaders in, in Leopold and the Belgium, we got to understand that the Arabs have no less dishonorable intentions uh, than the Europeans have toward us. All you have to do is look at what they do in the Sudan. And Chinwezu's writings were very enlightening what was going on during the period of the early 2000s. And that was back when I was a kid. I was like in my early 20s and stuff, uh, early to mid-20s. And they were talking about it, but I didn't understand what was going on. And I always said, where happened to Nubia and all this stuff? Yeah. And I started doing further research. And you want these Arabs, they want it all. Oh, I know. They want it all. They're, they are invaders. So how are we going to, if we wouldn't unite with Jan Smuts in them, off in South Africa, Azania, how are we going to unite with a Nasser? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you going to unite with a psycho like uh, Gaddafi? I know y'all got it twisted, but Gaddafi, he was invading Chad. He said, we got to make Africa the new home of Arabs. That's why I like revolutionary pan-Africanism. I'll use that term. But black power pan-Africanism lets it be known that it's a pan-Africanism, pan-Africanism that is not provocio in the sense that it just doesn't see the continent or the land right. as primary. It sees African people as primary. 
So when you see African people as primary, it don't matter where they are. You plan to set up your corner in Africa, wherever you are in the globe. I'm not obsessed so much with the land because just like the Europeans built Europe over in what they now call North America, but what was called Turtle Island, once you have that level of intentionality and cultural understanding, you'll set up Africa wherever you want and you'll see Africa embedded in African people. But if you're just a parochial pan-Africanist and you'll say, my brother's an Arab. And they rape black women. And in Mauritania, they still got slavery to this day. I think they legally abolished it. They abolished it a lot, but they legally abolished it like in the mid-80s. But they still got it going on, baby. So when I say African, I don't mean you just on the continent. I mean African. And they are very clear about you. They are very clear about you. You know what I'm and saying? And themselves. Like you said, and they themselves. call themselves Arabs. Yeah, they call they themselves call Arabs. Themselves they, they do not call themselves Africans. They do not call you that. So... You know, I, I just wanted to say that on term, not to break up the, the momentum when we were talking about our dear brother, but I thought that would go with it because I did say, you know, his work represented epigrammatic. It's not only epigrammatic, but it also is the epistemological expression of revolutionary Pan-African praxis. And I can also add in the interchangeably black African Pan-Africanism because he gets the constituency right as well. Me and this brother have dialogued a lot off off record yes he is already you hear Zari that so that this is my this is my brother so so much for your objectivity and all that, as if anything is objective anyway so we want to say we say that about his work so thus the appellation emeritus that's why we gave it to him thus the appellation emeritus because what we said earlier and because of the aforementioned commitment to revolutionary pan-african praxis or black power pan-African praxis? Whether or not he decides to craft another sagacious track, he has solidified his place as a God, God M.C. M-C. So, what phenomenon are we made privy to when we look at Rago's objective body of work from an African-centered cultural perspective? We are literally made privy to to eloquence of a scribe. Yes, thank you for that, Zari. Now we got this term from Ayikwe Armaz. The Eloquence of the Scribes, a memoir on the sources and resources of African literature. Yes, again, eloquently said. And uh, here are a few quotes from this sapient work. And um, where Amai uses the word writers, okay, understand it is interchangeable with artists, rapper, etc. So let's read that quote right now. However, if as writers we can see ourselves as involved not only in the hot, immediate fight for power, but in the long-range value-oriented effort to envision, then to design and create a better society, then two considerations become important. First, no longer is the need for speed in the process of social change so urgent and immediate that we can divorce style from substance or indeed sacrifice style altogether. Second, if what we want to do is to plan for long-range change, 
then we cannot hide behind the claim that time is short. We know we have the time to examine our craft in all its historical depth, and we can afford to study the necessary connection between substance and style. In African literature, that connection has been as clear as spring water right from the very beginnings of writing. Consider the fact that those who uttered and wrote down the most ancient texts we know, whether they considered themselves producers of literature or not, certainly thought that they were taking part in ancestral and divine interactions, in rituals of worship and intercession, protest and supplication. These early writings and utterances were conversations with the greatest of elders, and for such situations, the rule is ubiquitous in Africa. Use only the best of words. Not only the best of words, but also the best of sounds, phrases, pauses, sentences, images, figures. The best in sum of every tool available to verbal art. Writers of the pharaonic period had a name for their art. They called it the metu nature, divine words, indissociable from the metu nefer, words of beauty. Pages 242 to 243. All right. Thank you, Zari, for doing that again eloquently. Now, let's take a look at one more quote. And in this one, Armad talks about why he and his friends chose to call their publishing house Per Unk Publishers. One of the many issues we think it worthwhile to examine is our attraction to an institutional model from ancient Egypt which was, after all, a theocratic state, hardly the best of social and political models. It is not out of blind admiration for the legacy of ancient Egypt that we choose to call our publishing house Per Unk, the House of Life. None of the friends who set up this institution thinks the idea of copying ancient Egyptian systems uncritically makes any sense. Here is our method. We examine the heritage then make selective use of the most helpful, most humane concepts we find there. On that basis, we innovate. It is clear that in working from the legacy of ancient Egypt, one area where we need to innovate most seriously is the social domain. Ancient Egypt was a theocratic kingdom. The organization of society into kingdoms and empires may have been a humanizing step forward many thousands of years ago. Today, humanity has learned enough from the damaging inequalities and injustices inherent in royal and imperial systems to know that we need something better in the way of social organization. In plain terms, we think of the royal and imperial aspects of ancient Egyptian culture as negative constraints, useless for our present purposes. Empire seems to be back in fashion, But look closely and you will see that it is a fashion led by idiots. We are ready for more intelligent uses of our past. In what practical ways? In keeping with the aristocratic ethos of kingdoms, ancient Egyptian officials organized their per-unk as a skilled training institution, but essentially for the aristocratic elite. We will not follow our ancestors on that path. Instead, our per unk is a house of skills and a training resource center for all children. 
The ancient Egyptian Per'ankh lived on royal subsidies, grants, and other instruments of kingly and theocratic power. We of the present Per'ankh do not envy the ancestral scribes their royal patronage. Like them, we hope to thrive from the exercise of our verbal and image-making skills, but unlike them, we intend to prosper not through handouts, royal, divine, plebeian, or profane, but by producing well-made publications, selling them at reasonable prices, and using the income to continue our work. Friends will help us hurdle obstacles. We will prevail. The ancient Egyptian theocracy has gone where it deserved to go. What we value in the heritage is the art, the science, the knowledge, and the intelligence. Religious mystification might have worked in the past. For us today, it is dead. From the humus over its grave, we can pluck philosophical ideas for the future. Practically all invaders who entered Africa bent on pillage rubbed pepper into our wounds by trashing our religions. Such cruelty might in the long run have turned out to be helpful. It should have shaken us awake and brought us out from the torpor of religious belief into intelligent thinking. But then something funny happened. The same thieves who came to take our gold, our diamonds, and our history brought us their trash and told us to embrace it as a new and better religion. Trash is trash wherever it comes from. In the search for solutions, we will gain by looking at our continental traditions, filtering out the dross, and keeping in the valuable parts of the heritage. Africa is phenomenally well-endowed in intellectual and spiritual resources. In revitalizing Per'ankh, the house of life, what we aim to do is breathe new vitality into our best values. Pages 305 to 306. Whoa, okay. That's why we love us some Ayikwe Arma. So, what Amar was putting down was not only the impetus for the creation of Conscientization 101 LLC, but our modus operandi in everything we do. You feel me? The guests featured on this show and the content on our site all come from the ideological perspective of what Arma elucidated. Now, let's take our dear brother Rago Zulu, Rebel. He doesn't produce music to serve elite power. Hell no. His output is based on changing the colonial narrative. You know that narrative that says anything that we produce and distribute ourselves, it has no value unless our historical enemies validate it. That's why what uh, Zari and I came up with a term, we got white approved Negroes. You know what I'm saying? So you got these Negroes, you think about it, you think about it. You got Rago putting it out. You got all these brothers putting it out. People say, oh, there's no good hip hop. Look at all this. That's because y'all looking at white approved Negroes. So, you know, Rago's body of work changed the historical narrative. It's kind of like what Armand talks about in the first uh, quote that Zari uh, uh, read from uh, The Eloquence of the Scribes, where he says, you know, what's the common uh, 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 rejoinder people give you and say, man, we got to do quality work. Yeah, I know I should release it like this and do it like this, but, you know, we ain't got no time. We got to do it quick because, you know what I'm saying, I can get to a larger audience, middle America. But Rago don't do that. You know, he keeps... He, he changes the narrative. And guess what? When we realize it, like Armand said, it's gonna be, we don't have to try to rush it and divorce it from substance and style. We can keep all that. But when you under somebody else's whip, 
you gotta be all the Negro they want you to be. Okay? But he changes that narrative. You know what I'm saying? And if he was talking about being a Fruit Loop, like I said, if, he was, if Rago was saying, I'm Rago Zulu Fruits, having his lyrics saying shit like, I don't see color, rags, no color, I'm colorblind, I'm not black, Africa, what's that? I'm I'm in Britain, so I'm British. <laughs> and if he had all that, and then if he had lyrics like this, these these are great lyrics if you want to get an NAACP image award. <laughs> these lyrics that I'm about to read, these are great lyrics that will get you progressive inclusion. What is it? Uh, uh, progression. Y'all did say progressive. Progressive inclusion, bipolar, whatever the fuck else. These are the lyrics <laughs> of a great, great person that can have a Netflix show. <laughs> CW, all them. Stars. Stars. Okay, here it is. So this is what you want to do. You know, if now, if Raggle had this, then, you know, he would be sponsored by great corporations and he'd probably, it'd probably be Raggle, uh, Raggle Zulu Fruit Loops. That's what they'd probably call it. <laughs> but this is what it'd be, have to be the lyrics. If, you had, if he had lyrics like, kill that nigga, smack that nigga, drown that nigga, do drugs with my niggas, Slapping my black nigga bitch. Bending over for my nigga. I can move weight because I am a nigga. I love white women because I'm a nigga. Now, those are all acceptable lyrics to get you an NAACP oh Image Award. God. Barack Obama would praise you. You know, Ragazula Fruit Loops is my favorite artist. I just want to say, me and Michelle listen to Ragazula Fruit Loops. And uh, it's, it's a credit to the black race that he drowns niggas. No, my mama's white. So, I can understand how you can be a real black man and love white women. <laughs> yes, we can. But if he did these lyrics, he'd get his NAACP image wars, he'd, get, he'd be an OBE, yep. he'd be an obedient boy of empire. Think about this. Does the enemy of your people reward you for being the best person you are for your people or for services rendered to that enemy? So when you look at it from that perspective, any Negro, and I say Negro, who gets an OBE, CBE, DPG, uh, uh, colonostomy, <laughs> any of them that gets benighted and they, have, they get a sir and all that shit, and they're a Negro, they are serving the British Empire. That's for well service, boy, gal, master. These are the same people that sponsored invasions and, and, and colonization missions to utterly destroy and shatter your psyche. To, to this day, we have a disassociative personality running throughout the African world. That's what we have. And then they continue that shit by saying, oh, guess what? If you can get a CBE. You can be an obedient boy of empire. You think about it. What type of Jew would a Jew be if Hitler gave him an award? Because you got to look at the Western world in relationship to African people the same way that the Third Reich had the same type of relationship with Jewish people. Okay? If you don't look, if you don't see it that way, that's because you suffer in Stockholm syndrome and you have a disassociated personality and you're suffering with Kobe Cambone saying is cultural misorientation and that is genocide. Anyway, the dialectic is this. This is what we're trying to say about our dear brother. Because his work is the personification of the excellence of his scribe. He wholeheartedly deserves the title of, of Meritus MC. 
And this is how we develop the title of this episode for our dear brother's retirement. Rago Zulu Rebel Emeritus, the eloquence of a scribe. With that being said, we salute Rago with a 21-gun salute for his work over the decades. I hope nobody was hurting that uh, fusillade. Is that the correct word of bullets? That barrage of bullets there? Then dedication didn't, to Rago. Didn't disturb anybody. Hope that didn't disturb anybody. <laughs> no strays were caught there. And we want to say this more importantly. We understand that Rago Zulu Rebel is the creation of, no, no, better said, an aspect of the personality of Jamal Jones Thomas. So as the door closes on his musical endeavors, there is another one opening. And when you consider the culminations of life lessons from his musical career alone, we are infinitely excited about what Mr. Thomas has in store for the people in the future. So like we said before, Thank you for your service. Now, all right. In this 54th episode, we discuss the following with our brother, Raggo's Zulu Rebel. The thin line the music industry creates between commodifying music and true cultural expression, bourgeois privilege given to artists, African-centered dilettantes slash opportunists versus growing into a real understanding of building an African-centered working-class political economy and much, much more. All right. It is time to get into the interview. Off we go, my people. We're going to come with us. We're going to lead you into this momentous dialogue into are you ready for it? Follow us into the magic forest. <laughs> yeah. uh. Place for us, cause all I see is pain and torture. This ain't for us. We need a place like a magic forest that make you feel sweet, like the notes in the chorus. Always got the right words, Theosaurus, MCing since at least a Diodorus for every last seed in the diaspora. Standing on the shoulders of those who've been before us, and to them, I honor this performance. Don't wanna see no more police or warrants. I wanna see kingfishers in the trees and cormorants. Take a moment. For all the fallen on the day of atonement, where we all are called on. The melting pot is getting hotter than a cauldron. The seeds are getting taller. Who can they really call on? The leaves never fall off. Autumn in my magic garden.
right, we are back. We are here. This is actually our first interview in the 2020s decade. And we are back and glad to kick it off. Kick it off with none other than our homeboy in the UK, Rastaman, Rago, Zulu, Rebel. How you doing, Rago? Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> Bring me what back. What is happening, African family? Well done. You are good. Greetings. Thank you, thank you. And we're here. Okay, so we what we want to do now is just have a moment of reflection. I remember personally when we first got to know. I don't want to be on no Christopher Columbus ting saying we discovered type shit. <laughs> okay. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, a, you know, like the a, new world. yeah, he wasn't an Arawak or something like we discovered. But uh, exactly. So like when we first heard of Rago, first we actually, to be real, we actually saw Rago in It's Too Easy to Act All Greasy and be one of these wannabes on the TV. On the TV. But it's much harder to be act like a father and shape up a young man's head like a barber. That's Big Cakes. Too Easy. Mm-hmm. Blue. A rainmaker. Cheese. Rainmaker. And actually Rago was in the video. Big Cakes was acting, saying he was Boris Kipling interviewing people because <laughs> the rebellions over there in the UK had just taken place. We was like, man, who is that guy in the background right there? Right? Then we also saw, and, and this is when we start seeing Rago all the time, right? Then we saw him in, uh, I remember um, Sadia Munshur's and Logic's video, So Serious. He had a cameo in there. They uh, got logic. They got people's yes, army. Yes, P- logic people's army. Then you was also in do, do my thing, big frizzle, logic people's army. Mm-hmm. Uh, big up, big frizz, big up, cake. Yes, big yes, up, yes. And so then we, then we was like, okay, so we saw Beach Ramen Revolution. It's a global faction back in the day, and it was it was like a live hip hop uh, uh, like thing show. I missed that. Yeah, man, that was good. And Cakes hosted that. Big Cakes hosted that. And then he had like Nate on there, Logic. And then we saw, that's when we saw Rago and we know, knew you rap. You said red, black, green, red, black, green. Marcus Garvey said red, black, green. We saw that. And then we had bought, yeah, we had bought blue cheese. And then we heard you on work week. And you said, thank God it's Friday, but I don't want to rave. And uh, uprising, <laughs> uprising. You get a feel for everyone under the sun, but you're not my daughter more the uh, sun. See, I can't do responsibility. <laughs> oh, and it was like, oh shit, oh shit, we got it. He got an album. He got to have an album. He got to have an album. Oh yeah, we were waiting. We were and, waiting. And, and, well, Zari found the album on iTunes. You found Return of John Messer. Uh-huh. It was on from there, and that's when we had Cyclonius because we had seen Cyclonius in Africa with Nate, mm-hmm. and then Cyclonius went on all the people. Cakes was on there, and it kind of just like roll from there and now where we're at now we met the brother in 2015 he said he was going on holiday then he gave us over 1.2 million tracks after that (laughs) 1.2 million tracks i'm going on holiday i'm you know these people are making me sick i will go on holiday after i drop this 1.25 million tracks on that ass you know so he dropped those tracks on that ass and uh we got all those tracks i had to get a new iphone to store that and uh man okay no gas straight talk okay so i just want to say that we're talk. we're here having him here today to talk about his final album his career uh his final album is necromancy his career in the game and uh it's never really over because i mean good lord quick, the brother correction quick correction oh go ahead uh, necromancy Necromancy is not, it's not even an album, it's an LP. 
there's two more albums left that are already done to make nine, and we'll have the full book of the book of Jamal. Yeah, I mean, that'd be my own bibliography of nine albums. But that one was just a. Uh, it was a. You see, like when you've worked at a company for a long time, they might give you a little watch or something when you leave. Like there you go, thank you. <laughs> yes. I'll come back. <laughs> um, that was like I worked for the people for a long time, so let me give them a gift because I'm going. A lot of it was just tracks I'd done recently. Um, a one or two of them was in the last, but more time my my tracks will sit on this shelf for five years, two years, three years. A lot of those were just some new tracks I had. I'm probably not gonna be able to, well not not be able to, but they weren't in my plan to put them out. So I figured, you know what? I love the people. There you guys go. Have that. Remember me by that. But there's still another two albums, just so you know. Um, I'll send you guys some of the tracks off there. But there's um, Chronicles of Jam Messenger, and that's the last in the Jam Messenger series. You know, you got Jam Messenger, Return of Jam Messenger, and Chronicles will be. The last one, which will come out the 31st of um, 31st of December this year, which will be 10 years since the return of Jamaica. Mm. Um, and then the other one is... What's that one called? What's that one called? It is... I can't remember. It'll come back to me, man. Too much works. But yeah, there's one more. There's one more. I, I, I was meant to drop it on September the 11th, but I'm not. I'm going to sit on it for a while. Maybe drop it next year or the year after or whatever. But there's one more album after that. Well, correction to myself, that is... 2.5 million tracks he has dropped. Uh, that is my bad. Look at that. I have to do my due diligence. Slap myself, right? Uh, I'm not surprised, though. I had a feeling there were going to be more yeah, songs. This, I mean, because we got some songs last night. I put it on my phone. I just called the songs 9321 because that's when they got sent to me. And, man, they was going on. I got four tracks. That's just how I that's, that's the type of privileges I have doing the work we do. Okay, from him. So I'm correction. 2.5 million tracks since 2015. <laughs> Probably gonna be around 10 million by the time we get 10 over. Million. It. Okay, <laughs> so let's go ahead and thank you for that correction. Thank you for that. I appreciate mm-hmm, yeah. that because I don't like being wrong, and we want to make sure we have the correct information on John Messenger. Uh, um, Unconsent, on Yeah, you guys are about information and the correct information, and about circulating that and about people doing research and mm-hmm. knowledge of certain levels of knowledge, certain levels of, like you said, due diligence. So we could never have misinformation on this show. That's not what this this whole platform is about at any stage or form. That's, That's right. Exactly so right. I have to respect. So like I said, it's going to be 5.5 million tracks because we're never about misinformation. And I'm trying to keep up a raggle, so I'm just doing an estimation. You know when you do Listen, a budget? You always sending me info, sending me books, sending me things, <laughs> the little links to up my my information my knowledge to better me to like i said iron sharpened iron before we started and you guys are always a consistent um a consistent iron in my life to keep man on my toes keep man on point and keep man growing as a as a um you know where african you know as an aware indigenous being that come um, spread information to the people so i give thanks that enough people don't really care or they're just happy to kind of regurgitate the same thing and not really do any more info or research. So, yeah, man, I get friends. Well, thank you very much. I, thank I, I, you. We, we really appreciate that because, man. That, that is important to us. Yeah, because it gets real in the field. Yes. Like, seriously. There's too many lies being spread. And I want to go ahead with this first question <laughs> because I want to get Ja Messenger. Who's that over distance? Ja Messenger. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was jumping up and down. Anyway, they probably hear that. Yeah, they probably hear that. Oh wow! <laughs> Let me go ahead. I'm glad I have the gain turned down, guys. That's that's an audio <laughs> thing. Anyway, so I want to start off with this 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 momentous dialogue with a quote from the sagacious African writer Ngugi Wathiongo in the book 
In Googie Wathongo Speaks interviews with the Kenyan writer, he says in this, this is a quote, art in Europe has always been the property of those who have. How can those who do not have aspire to this glorious thing? European critics and the middle classes have often said that Africa has no art because art can only be produced by those who have civilization. So they are stuck with the historical freak of finding Africans who can produce plays or novels as good as, if not better than theirs. That's on page 30 of that book. Now, when you take this, taking this quote into consideration and applying it to the art form of hip hop, these same Western interlopers read, I want everybody to know when I mean Western interlopers, I mean multinational uh, monopoly capitalists. They are the ones who determine what is real hip hop, what gets airplay. You know what I'm saying? So as to continue their hegemonic reign, that means domination, imposition, control, bringing as our dear brother said on the return of Ja Messenger in the opening track, uh, all they want to do is bring hell upon earth. That's from woke up this morning and I'm feeling kind of okay. Sorry. (laughs) I lost myself. Let's take a lyric written by you on the so- on the song called The Stem on your Bible in the Gun album where you say, Roots up my ginger tea, so picture me selling out to fit into the industry. Without the infamy, Gala still a shout and sing for me. Oh, that was good. Th- thank you. Rago, how did I do? Kudos, kudos, kudos. Thank you. I, I, I was practicing that. that <laughs> he was, was that, practicing. That, 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 I'm going to take you on tour. Thank you. Oh, no, don't do that, please. I was, this is John Messenger's job. Uh, thank you for that because that, that, man, I was like, I had to listen to that about like 10 times to, to get it right. <laughs> I had to practice. I, I practice, y'all. I was he thinking, did, he practiced that. I, I don't get naturally. I got to do the practice this shit. Okay, so, from, so you heard that lyric. From your lyric there, you clearly understand the reality of what Ngugi explains in his quote which means you also understand that what comes out of the music industry is political. How has this informed your career from its inception to your latest album, Necromancy, you know, which we'll be delving into later on. Um, I feel like you see that guerrilla warfare, you've got to use what's available to you. And so like the industry and the scene are two different things. And you see, like, if you ever watch, like, them kind of, obviously, this is propaganda itself, but them films like um, Cadillac Records and all them kind of yes. films that are telling the, the black musical history of American music or whatever, you'll see that there'll be a little guy playing his guitar on his porch or whatever, and some record label guy will um, come over and say, can I have a card your bluegrass music? And then they'll press record and they'll take it to the industry and then put it to a wider market, a wider audience. But that's a machine, a business that's already run by people that don't really have much to do with the culture or the... The, the creators of these scenes, whether it be from bluegrass and, and blues to jazz to um, funk, soul, hip-hop, and then down the line, grime, jungle, whatever, there yeah. is a machine which sells things, just like Tesco's, as you mentioned earlier, or there is people that create things or that, that um, make things that relate or make expressions which relate to their life and things that they're going through. And there's a thin line between the two of them, do you know what I mean? And they will always need new people to keep their machine going. Just like any company needs new employees, they need new staff, they need new customers. It's a machine running. And there is a formula, and they're going to do the same thing. They might change it a little bit or dress up a bit different, but they're going to stick with Big Mac, 
McDonald's make Big Macs. That's their thing. They've got a bun, they've got a gherkin, they've got a beef patty. They might have a, a slice of that yellow fake cheese thing. And that's how it goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they may switch it up or you come out with a uh, uh, Burger King and they come out of a Whopper, their own version. But it's the same thing. Like Pepsi, Coke, whatever. Cultures are different because they relate to people. They relate to life. They relate to life experiences. It's a living thing. It's its own entity, which is a reflection of the people. Most have said something about hip-hop and he's like, if people are doing good, um, then the music will be doing good. Hip-hop was the music he was referring to. The, the music ain't that. Hip-hop's not a, a, a ogre that sits in the mountains and you're calling it and it comes and does its thing. No, it's a reflection of the people and what the people are going through at that time and their expressions, thoughts, feelings on a day-to-day, how they communicate with each other. So I've just kind of tried to keep my feet in that essence of what most of us talking about referring to hip-hop, but whatever music it is that we make as a people, as being that reflection. And I can't not be with the people or connected to the people in some way, shape, or form in order to make that. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people, they bust, they get the machine behind them, and then um, on their second or third album, the people don't care anymore because they're too machinized. That's not, true. They no longer have that essence of what was relating, or even times change. Say, for example, you come out and you were singing like Millie Smalls at My Boy Lollipop, and you're singing to an audience of 15-year-olds or whatever. As you get older, you might not want to still sing and make that beef patty, that Big Mac, which appeals to a 15-year-old. You might want to have other things to say. As you grow as an audience, you might lose your audience, or you might lose the machine. The machine decides that actually we only need you to do My Boy Lollipop and sing that. You know what I mean? And so you'll hear a lot of people that they was doing great at one point, and then they weren't after all. They become a one-hit wonder. So some people manage to have some level of success within the machine and then kind of create, continue that in their own life, and they continue touring. But a lot of times, it's, it's, it's a delicate balance in that. I've just tried to avoid the machine at most times or be my own machine. Coming from Garveyism and these things, self-sufficiency, it's about what you can do for yourself. And then, I don't know, sometimes foolishly, my thing was always about keeping it real and a lot of these are cliches now as an adult, you know what I mean, as a big man with kids and families. Not that to keep it real, that's cliche, but what is real? Real changes. And if you're really an artist, you're going to express different things at different times in your life. Right, right, What I was right. saying at 16 or 15, I might not, I don't like, if you check my earlier work, there'll probably be a lot of niggas in there or da da because them time there, that was my reference of, of, of blackness, of not niggerdom, but the fact that this is how anybody, anyone non-white rec- recognizes all Africans. So whether we, we've got our different, whether it be culture, like, I don't know, I'm from the Caribbean, I'm from this island. You're from America, you're from that state. You're from, and we're quite divided. But one thing that we're unified under is, look, stand niggas. Mm-hmm. So I just use that as a, as a rallying cry to all. And that was my political stance on that. As I've got older, understanding just different things. And not that I, I disagree on that, but just having a different perspective and even understanding other people's understanding of that. They might not always see it as thoroughly or as, putting the same amount of thought as you have to a thing mm. and you may be alienating yourself from certain people so at different times in my life you use different things and you grow and you you, you, you operate with what you know at that point in time you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I think you I think that's like so true it's kind of like that's what kind of um it's this uh you got to have courage and you got to have integrity to stay away from that mm-hmm. machine you got to really have a unshakable uh, belief in yourself and what you're doing because that's this is the industry that breaks pe- the weak weak people down even strong people down you got to have a support system and you really got to know who you are and that's what one of the things that i learned we actually learned from your music is that it's really like well-rounded man you know it's like you know i started listening to your music you know i was like 30 
like almost 30, 33. I'm 43 now, right? I can still go back and listen to that music no matter what. But also there's certain things like when I hear a Rolling Stone, fortunately, uh, 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 until the tears run dry, I haven't had experiences like that. type thing. But um, I can relate to that to that track i can relate i like the jj born to sing songs on that album i can relate to the latin funk rasta and funk. and just for the record latin funk salsa merengue that was created by africans mm-hmm. in latin america yes. so just just yes. just oh i'm sorry that's on raggle zulu rebels album rolling stone you know and i can we can relate to that and the you know you had uh the intros on various intros like I, I was speaking with you yesterday you had your mother on the intro i think you had tony az on one of the intros he was like what's up Rebs? i'm back you know i just left africa i was you know getting you know working on my ted he was being joking or something like that it's just like the type it it, it really opens up and i you know i always said this ted loud you know <laughs> all i see is girls you know it's just it's just the type of person like it, it just kind of lets you know that you feel like you kind of know the person and you can relate to this, whether you're, you know, in your early thirties, twenties, it's stuff you're going to go through. And like you said, when you're an artist, but, but there's somebody that does want to stifle your creativity. And that's where the machine steps in. Cause like you said, I'm, I'm li- what you said was brilliant because they want you to be the weed guy or whatever you want to be mm-hmm. the whole time. And they don't need anything uh-huh. else. From you. They don't care about you as a person. They don't care if you've gotten married. They don't care if you've got mm-hmm. kids. They don't care if your project, your, your perspective has changed because it's all about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you said, you said a few things that I was trying to um, think on. See, like you said, for example, about the weed guy, look at Method Man and Redman. The system found a great, um, the machine found a great little pocket for them guys to do, be the new teaching John kind of thing. But that was the be all and end all of them. Method Man and Redman both kind of stood for a lot of different things within that, but they found a niche for them and MTV and all these guys, and then they pinnacled and they bottomed out, and they're only kind of making a resurrection again now from that. So whereas that was where my life was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, my life isn't in that. As much as I will always turn around and have some affection towards herb and herbs in general, but as an adult, as a, as a, as a 20-something-year-old, one, that was man's economy and these things, and, and two, as well, that was, man was, herb is the healing. I was in a lot of sickness from dealing with things from my childhood. Now I'm in a lot more of a healed place. I don't necessarily need so much medicine. So not that I'm not an advocate for the herb in the same way, you know what I mean? But I'm not necessarily going to be, even that from Shutter Convention 2012 to Shutter Convention 2021, <laughs> I'm talking about complete, same subject, same song, but just a different perspective from when till then. Um, you mentioned earlier something saying about the, the machine and um, they want to pick weak, they break the strong. Generally, the machine only took the weakest ones. That, that's true. Hmm. They're easy to manipulate. They'll yeah. pick people that have had some trauma in their childhood. They'll pick people that have got some kind of confidence issues. They'll pick people, and they're often brilliant people because that's why they express, but they're not necessarily emotionally strong to be able to turn around and tell people no. If you've been a victim of child abuse, if you've been a victim of certain things, I know your parents might have been on drugs or you might not have the best support unit around you, or you might be used to isolation and manipulative behavior. And then it's like a predator knows who's his prey. You know what I mean? And that's how the, op- that's how the system or the machine, the music machine, operates. They'll pick your people like your Amy Winehouse, your Michael Jacksons, your whatever, people that are brilliant, but they're not the most stable so that they can pull them, jerk them, and do what they want to do to them. And they're not necessarily going to have that strength or in conviction of themselves to say no. But well, they pick people that are desperate to make it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that was one thing that I wanted to pick up. And I was never really um, 
desperate to make it. I was, I wanted to get my word out there. I wanted to connect with people, but there was always kind of maybe I was watching um, this pumping up this thing, the the media's thing or whatever. But Malcolm was saying to the character of Fingers that when you when you politicize the gangster, that's when you've got the serious revolutionary there. Like the, see that Dead Press talk about the revolutionary gangster is when you kind of you've got the respect of the roads and you've got the warriors or warrior class behind you. But what's your agenda? So it was always kind of coming from that Pan-African household. I always, even as much as man was doing other things, I always had a certain objective or certain goals and uh, integrity or moral obligations, which I wouldn't surpass or stop doing. You know? right. There were certain things you couldn't get me to put on the dressing. You couldn't get me to do, not to whoever else is doing it. That's their person, whatever. But that weren't my thing, because from young, I knew that. Right. My image, what I stand for, means certain things. As the words I'm saying mean certain things. And, when I do other things contradictory, it might tarnish that image or it might tarnish the value of my word and my work. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives you longevity because when you are just a stereotype or fit into the box, then you just have this ephemeral career and, and they, they, also, they prey on kids. They prey on mm-hmm. kids because you can manipulate mm-hmm. kids. And, <clears throat> you know, especially if you start growing up in public like that, then it, it that's that kind of messes with people's mentality as well. So if you kind of have a grounded situation where people are not like purposely trying to make you, you know, they give these kids drugs, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, purposely trying to destroy your your mentally and emotionally, distort their perception. Yeah, yeah. you know, so and you have more longevity and you can be more relatable. Your songs are more classic, you know. You see what you just said there about um, growing up in the public eye, yeah? Now, once upon a time, it was a few stars that would do that, would grow up in the public eye. Now, everybody grows up in the public eye because our whole entire lives mm-hmm. are in on these platforms. And I find a lot of the things for guys that are a little bit older than myself, probably kind of like your generation down, like to my generation, is that um, uh, a lot of them didn't grow up. They wanted that, but didn't have the opportunity. Yep. So now a lot yep. of them are in their second childhood That's right. now where they That's have right. This, they need to grow them. To- Anyway, I'm sorry. No, like, they're reverting back. That's right. And they got kids and they running around here. You need to realize you in your 40s now, partner. Mm -hmm. You need to uh, thank you. But they get the opportunity to project the thing they've always felt. And I'm I'm going to get into that because you and I and Ideal got a song called Lonely People that I got some notes on. But that's that's further in the interview. And I just want to give a self criticism and correction. Thank you, Rago, for that because. I was going a little bit too old goon on there, talking about they break the strong. No, they break the weak. You're right. Because I'm recalling a a, a track, the intro track to uh, uh, Logic, Last Resort, Logic and Are You One Fram, uh, we are one. Our memory goes getting raped by getting raped by a boss in the little room. Then you got the wanna be criminals. So yeah, they they do pick on the weak and people you know who ain't uh, uh who have who have may have been manipulated like you said and don't know how to say damn that because I I don't I don't see how they how certain predators kind of yeah, move. Yeah, predators. Ah, oh, all right. And then you see when the weak gets strong because oftentimes it's it's a muscle, isn't it? So you put enough pressure on it, it will develop strength and break new muscle. That's when they killed it. You see, like when when your Michael Jacksons or your Princes or your Amys or whoever these people are, when they turn out, they're brilliant people. They've got, that's, we wouldn't love them if they weren't brilliant. But where they've been through so much trauma, they need time to heal. And that's rather right. than giving them that time or that space to heal, now that they have the resources, the finances, these things, now that they could heal, 
they keep them on this machine like a like a gerbil in a rat race, running and running and running them, so they never take that space. But while they're running and treading, they get stronger and stronger. And then as they decide, you know what? I'm going to use my influence. I'm going to use my power. I'm going to use my... That's when they murk them because their image is now something that they can use. They can sell a Bob Marley tea and push whatever agenda they want or a two-pack tea because he's no longer here to represent his estate, yeah. you know? And your image, I've said it on, um, Sky, on Skyfall, um, uh, something about put your face on a tea and then I can't remember exactly the word verbatim, but what they would do is you'll go against their cause and then they'll give it 10 years till you use their image and align it with theirs. That is so true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Started from the bottom like a pro, no shrimp Started from the top, car, always think It's a game of thrones full of frauds and pins But it's back the way you play, be a pawn or king Started from the bottom like a pro, no shrimp Started from the top, me, I always think It's a game of thrones full of frauds and pins But it's back the way you play, breathe out, breathe in Started from the bottom, now we're ear bottom feeders Birds out of view, I see clear, no more leaders What if even God go and leave us, no shivers Cyrus or Jesus left us on our own Romulus and Remus trust If mother earth I beneath us Left to the wolves to eat and breastfeed us I do it on my own, I don't need no more features All of them are clones, yet don't see my features Stole it all from the walls of Egypt Incubator for the old world from a fetus Now they want a total recall to the leaders It's cool, I don't beg no allegiance And I don't take disrespect nor disobedience and the reason is, I'm seizing your kit on tech man for idiot Started from the bottom like a pro, no shrimp Started from the top car, always think It's a game of thrones full of frauds and pins But it's back the way you play, be a pawn or king Started from the bottom like a pro, no shrimp Started from the top, me, I always think It's a game of thrones full of frauds and pins But it's back the way you play, breathe out, breathe in I always feel like somebody's watching Logged on, I like the radio locked in Listen for the day they hear me boxed in On my back where there no options But my only battle is myself shadow boxing Headlock the ego and holding for hostage Devil on my shoulder, tainting my posture Nothing for my gain, saying I could ever prosper Healing all my demons, took him to the doctor Put him on a diet, no more champagne and lobster For my pain, I could have claimed an Oscar But I'm afraid, I just ain't no actor Activate chakra after chakra To the crown, eradicating all cancer the throne to become my own master from the grassroots and I close my last chapter started from the bottom like a pro no shrimp started from the top car always think it's a game of thrones full of frauds and pins but it's back the way you play be a pawn or king started from the bottom like a pro no shrimp started from the top car always think it's a game of thrones full of frauds and pins but it's back the way you play breathe out breathe in Full of frauds and pins, but it's back the way you play. Born or king, started from the bottom. 
you know, we're going to go into our next question, which is a kind of dovetailing with the first one. Um, and we're going to read another quote from Ngugi. And, and we pull from Ngugi because in this book, he's talking a lot about art and how it relates to African people and the, and the industry. So in, in the book, Ngugi Watiango Speaks, Interviews with the Kenyan Writer, he says, um, well, I'm sorry, he has a interviewers, two interviewers, and one of them makes the point that a bourgeois regime can alienate artists from the people by giving them privileged positions. And Ngugi responds by saying, this is a very important point in relationship to Africa because artists alone with the educated few are in an exceptionally privileged position. The temptation to remain in an ivory tower is therefore great. But writers, and you can read artists, must reject this false position or else they will be alienated from the living source of their inspiration, truth, and life in the struggle. Which I would like to add, we just talked about, you know, the industry taking things from being alive to dead. They love to do that. That's what they're doing when they create these images. So, like we were talking about, your catalog has been highly relatable and you know it's 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 classic, like I said. So you you talk about your relationships, you know, to promoting African centered social theory. You created music that comes from your experience experiences, not as a privileged few, but someone who deals with the same contradictions we all have to learn from and overcome. Nevertheless, as someone who has studied and has true conviction in promoting African development, you are a vanguard artist. And George Jackson explains in his book, Blood in My Eye, that being a vanguard means that you are part of a group responsible for elevating people's consciousness beyond the basement mentalities promoted in the mainstream. And he wasn't talking about, you know, being on high and raining down the knowledge on people. You know, it's just as you become a more steady person, you become you are more responsible because kind of like we were talking about before we started recording. Some people are at a certain point where they might still be a little bit naive or, you know, some people just have made a commitment, you know, yeah, those and who that's know just how it is. But, you know, if you know, like they say, the cliche, know better, do better. Yeah. You know, you have a responsibility. Right. You if just you know have a responsibility. You're you got- not magical. You can't teach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I feel like, um, you don't want to become, I never wanted to become the preacher on the, on the pulpit. Yeah. That's, crying with the people, praying with the people, all the rest of it, and then I hop out of the congregation and jump in my Bentley and drive off and splash them with the, with the mud puddle oh, as wow. they go back to their zinc fence house. <laughs> How many I mean, times I never have we to seen be that? that? Kind of preacher. <laughs> yeah, or, or even, even like, see, we're settling down into marriage and these things. Even the preacher that's always picking the pulpit, I mean, picking from the congregation, and the pre- you know that preacher's got a baby with this one, and preacher's got a bit, like, yeah, we don't necessarily want to live by things by Eurocentric standards of 2.5 children and whatever, so I've got my seven kids, but I don't want to be this. If you can't control your um, your urges, then how can you be a leader? You know what I mean? Like great power. Spider Man, Uncle Ben says, "Great power." And Nancy <laughs> says, "With great power comes responsibility." I take my thing from all elements, anywhere where there's knowledge, because there's only one universal truth, and it trickles through all things. All the lies are attached to these universal truths. So, mm-hmm. whatever it comes from, Spider Man, who would be a Nancy, like that, as we know. But you know, they they give us Peter Parker. But yeah, Uncle Ben went lying, and that was his ancestor. The man transitioned, and he told him before he went, with great power comes with great responsibility. So knowing what that power is, but then also not letting that power go to your head. Like, a big way that I've been able to collaborate with a lot of these artists is 
often I even see it like a lot of people will be like groupies a lot of people even industry people not even necessarily musicians videographers um, people that want to do features people that photographers they will holler at you because you're accessible and open to infiltrate your crew same as a groupie would you know what I mean they'll find the easiest guy within the crew and then before you know it they've worked their way up all the way to the to the top but I can't change myself to be that's probably even part of yeah you can have it. That's probably even part of the reason um, of the retirements is I can't really do the elitist thing. Mm. But rather than kind of yeah. cut people off and be like, right, I just step out of the game. You know what I mean? Like, and still be around as a human being to do these things. Like you said, like, you can link up and have a reason on the 200, 2000 seasons before we can link up and do these things as Jamal through the brand of Red Oak. But I don't know, man. I'm just not really into... There's no difference between me and my listeners. You know what I mean, I don't make me more than them because I've figured out what I'm doing and I can articulate it to you in certain ways. I still wake up in the morning and go for a doo-doo. I still have full, I have full ups with white quite well, but I still have full ups with human beings. I still feel disappointed at times. I still, I'm still egotistical and vain at times and can be narcissistic or any anything on the human scale. So I'm sharing. Like when I when I came from the hip hop scene, I used to do a lot of things in the hip hop scene at like Bricks and Jam with People's Army and those kind of guys. And not them per se, but at that scene, it was always, you could be spitting the most fire, but man is just waiting to get the mic so he can spit his thing. You know what I mean? When I got round to the poetry scene, it was a lot more of a sharing. You go share your information, they give you some clicks. Ooh, ooh, ooh what's that? What's that? Or whatever their word is. I, I share. And you would kind of share your piece, and you could be the most established with 19 um, books out or 19 published things and anthologies, or you could be doing your first poem. The same when you was on stage. And it wasn't even a stage. It would just be the centre. You was on. You was on the spotlight. You was what was important. And I like that kind of no more than meeting. And I think even, I think as well, that comes with the whole, um, with, um, of being a RAS. Like, the RAS could turn around and, I don't know, when, when you'd meet a rap artist, yeah? Like, as opposed to a reggae artist. you meet a rap artist and he's going to have an entourage, he's going to have a bodyguard, he's going to have a man that rolls his blunts for him, he's going to have someone that, like, that kind of level of, yeah, in... Yard, you might have the Don or whatever, or the, or the regular artist has a certain level of influence, but you could meet, I don't know, Beanie Man or someone who's a big artist in 20 years, and you would just be, oh, wow, am I just kind of more cool, more normalized? And I don't know whether that's because what they would call the third world mentality. I don't know if there's only one world, but. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Or there's lots of worlds operating within our world, but they're not, we're not dividing them by class. You know what I mean? Like, you could be in the world of swimmers or the world of plumbers or the world, but there's one planet. You know what I mean? We're all on the mothership, going where we're going on our orbit. But people that operated more like that kind of more maintained my respect. So I wanted to be more like that. And when you meet a lot of your idols, your idols become your rivals or they do funny things or they act like a diva and then you're like, rare. I'm not even listening to your music anymore. So I never wanted to be one of those guys that was too nice for my own, too big for my own boots, you know? Yeah, because so. it, it, it's like what Ngoogie says, you become alienated from the living source, which is the people which mm-hmm. where you sprang up from, right? That's that's mm-hmm. that's flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, you know, and, yeah. and that's the truth in life and the struggle, as he also says. And I think um, one of the things you touched upon, I want to like kind of give an antidote. It's like you said it. You said when you go to the rap things, I, I kind of hate this thing, this idea of like everything has to be so competitive. Like somebody told us one time, it was like we was doing some design work. Somebody was trying to help us design. It was like, well, who's your competition? I said, I want to work with all my people. It was mm-hmm. like, well, no, this is how this works. I'm like, look, girl, that's how you that's work. That's how you work. And then they're going off a model, a Western capitalist business model. Jimmy, Jimmy, it's the H and I C mentality, yeah. And 
that that's some that's some um, some uh, plantation mindset, yeah. And then I've, I can't remember which one of them comedians was, but they were talking about the other day and saying, if you notice every ten years, there's one black comedian that's really ripping it and busting. So you would have Eddie Murphy, you had Richard Pryor, then you had Eddie Murphy, then you had maybe um, in the nineties, maybe I don't know, like a Chris Tucker, maybe or no Martin Lawrence. Then you had Chris Tucker. Then nowadays you've got Kevin Hart, but they only let one through at a time. So that creates that level of competition mm-hmm. where everyone is competing for the head spot when really there's food out there for everyone to eat. You know what I mean? And so when we start operating and moving like that, then they can't really pitch us against each other. But back to that whole Django thing, my, my nigga's better than yours. You know what I mean? And it's that head nigger in charge mentality of everyone competing for that number one slot rather than, they don't they don't put Tchaikovsky against Mozart. Exactly. And, he, and here's the thing about that, Rego. We're, this was somebody who was saying they were quote unquote from the African Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were African Senate, so and they, and, was and they was and they was lying their ass off talking about they had seen our work. Well, you know I'm I, you know I'm anti capitalist. You know that for a fact. You know I'm working. I'm African working class. I'm working class. I ain't, I don't believe in a populist united front. I believe in a black united working class front because I'm against neo colonialism. You see, this was a neo colonialism black business supported by Occidental, supported by Shell Oil type. Here Negro. comes the hotel part. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they can unite with capital the same way the ANC, the same way the ANC made a uh, 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 negotiated with them goddamn boys. Okay, I don't, yeah. I don't play that because look, I we got to work together as as all all together. Like you said in the earlier question, you got the Caribbean African experience, and guess what? The only reason why I didn't have that experience where the white man went to drop my ass off on the boat or he got mad and sold one of my great great grand ancestors beforehand so let's not talk about this division we want to be so uh uh hostile and compete against each other and i've seen where competition between brothers and sisters go you just go to the streets i don't want to deal with that shit i want to unite why don't you want to compete with those multinationals that's raping the soil out of africa you don't want to compete with that she went to the workshop that gave her that mode of operation that's she went to the Mm -hmm. corporate workshop that's what she did indoctrinated yep yeah man that's exactly and we're right. competing for crumbs when we could unify and take the cake mm-hmm. there you go or unify and bake our own cake and not need no cake because them think your high blood pressure and sugar and all them something that's going to kill us anyway you know no it's just what your agenda is and so enough yeah. people enough people just want to be the new work the new elite do you know what i mean or that's be the right. black capitalist they want to be the brulee see that picture with jay-z and swiss beats and all these other people and i'm not even saying this to throw shade at them it's just an example I, you know what i mean i'm not really throwing shade it is what it is but all these billions in the room and we don't own the country. Do you know That's what I mean? Right. But because they want to be at the top of the of the ladder to get the best crumb, rather than having the and having their cake is hard work. You got to bake, you got to exhaust the ingredients. You got to, do, but the reward is great. But no one ain't where they don't see it often. They haven't got a model of it. They don't really want to be the first to pioneer that. You know? Yeah, and 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 I want to get everything straight. I'm like people don't even understand what socialism is or what, you know, see, cause see, it's social. See, people think it's socialism or African centeredness. That's, that's, that's a false dichotomy. First of all, that just means people sharing and African communalism. We shared like a month. Okay. So let's not think, it, it, let's not think it started with Marx. That's right. That's not, uh, you see, people think it started with Marx because they got this Eurocentric conception and they want to be some, putting names on things. Exactly. Yeah. It, Anything that happens, anytime you have an idea or something enters your mind, just stick a name on it and then put your name on the wall. That's right. Like Mount Rushmore or some shit like that, yeah? To say that, listen, but that's from a people that don't necessarily have a deep future or people that are young. So when you haven't done anything, see, like when I was, if you listen to me in 2012 or whatever, I was excited. 
I was hyperactive. Listen to my tone of voice. It's it's very yeah. Fire bun, fire, fire bun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I let I let the fire. The fire's gonna burn. The fire does what it's gonna do. When people are hungry, they need to fire. They're gonna make use of it. So or like, see when a person becomes when you become when you get a bit of after knowledge, you buy your dashiki and you get yourself a Malcolm X cap and rolling streets and anything that happens, you're like yeah, black power. Yeah. <laughs> after a while, you just relax and do things which are gonna empower people of what you're about. Do you know what I mean? You turn up and you buy something from those people. A prime example of Black Power. User have been supporting me non-stop from you. I haven't got an album that user haven't bought. There's so much people around me that would say, yeah, Ragazulu, Ragazulu. But they ain't bought one album. They might have five or six of them because I gave them to them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or they might have a couple because they're free or they're on YouTube. But user put your Black Power where your mouth is. That's you didn't right. need for it to be Black Pound Day. You need to turn around and That's buy my right. album. So, but that comes with experience, age, and... See, like I mentioned about the sister you guys referred to earlier, and I try not to fling these people out. She's still a sister. She just might have some working to do at. But she's in a whole tepper bag right now, yeah? It's a bit of a cliche. You guys are scholars. You guys have done your work and done your 10,000 hours to then embody that information, to then represent that interactions naturally, second nature. So all it is is that some of these other guys have got a few more hours to go in their 10,000 hours before they embody that information and know it. It's like doing a dance step, one, two. One, no, I just to the side and electric slide and I walk and it's done because it's what I know. It's second nature to me. I didn't have to learn this. You know what I mean, or I learned this so long ago, I don't have to think about doing it anymore. No? Yeah. So. Uh, exactly. And it's kind of like you said about that, you know, and here's another thing. I don't like people who, who promote that shit. Like, if you really about that life. Like, I don't be like, I just bought Rago album. Now I'm a black power supporter. <laughs> no, no, I do that's my because thing. they're virgins. James, they're virgins. And so when you first bust a nut, you're going to, yo, bro, oh, my God. James, you never can. Oh, I did the Shabbat right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 years later, or for example, you might you might then go on to become a sex worker. You don't hear sex workers bragging about sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talk exactly, to me about sex. That's I'm true. Sick of this shit. That is so true. Oh my God. You know, so it's just perspective. <laughs> All it is is perspective on the circumstance. And and I think one thing that kills a lot of our perspective, one thing that made us wise once upon a time, when I go Caribbean, yeah, I'm probably the same when, when I'm in Africa. I've only really been to Arab Africa, so I can't speak. But when I'm in the Caribbean, something happens on the 1st. I went to the Caribbean in January, January the 1st, let's say, for the first time I went. And February the 20th, when I left, they were still talking about a fight that happened on the 3rd. Like, oh my days, oh my days. Because it's a slower life. So you have a lot more time to look at things and observe things. You have time to watch the mango grow in the tree. You've got time to watch the, the, the mangy dog do its thing. You've got time to watch the routines and the patterns of life and then come to understand them. Because all everything is is a reflection of itself. It's a microcosm of the macro, yeah? And when you watch those small things happen, you get to a different understanding of life. Where everything is so busy because we live in these massive megalo cities, yeah? We don't get to see that, those routines and those patterns to see that from beginning to end and understand how these cycles work. And then we're fed so much information. We're just operating off that. We're always on go. We don't even sleep that much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And within that, we've become a different being to that being that was, we see all these, um, um, not cliches, but statements or things that I'll use in the rhymes that are like old words that granny would say or phrases or da, 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 da. They come out of experience. They're handed down, but they've come out of experience. Yeah. We don't have even enough time to experience nothing because we're so, connected to these screens and these these things that are out of body or that aren't real which yeah. are given as a false sense of experience so we don't we lack that wisdom or we just regurgitate what we've heard rather than having our own connection to it. I'm gonna get all the lovely people.
Yeah. Lonely people, they neglecting society Sadness, depression, anxiety When mentally the mind is beat Especially in these times we see Suicide deaths at the highest peak Men that would rather have it kept inside than speak Lockdown, human connection, they're denying we When people desperately cry to me The system is extinguishing your element that is fiery Your best is never good enough Your reflection is your rivalry It's irony Sit in your room, stay on your phone You're safer at home Sit on your social media pages and scroll The greatest control Distance yourself and stay in your hole We're not giving no hopes for problems you will face on your own A dangerous road Because family and mates give the greatest a hope If what you're facing is told That will be pain you'll unload You will see people in the same shitty boat These are things that we face as a whole So what's awaiting is growth Struggling, bro, people are suffering. It's the loneliness, brother, that ain't no love again. People are struggling, bro, people are suffering. It's the loneliness, bro, the brother's Lonely folks alone with no friend other than the Holy Ghost. So they sit at home on their phone and post. About insignificant things that they own and boast. Around the globe, worldwide, coast to coast, black holes. In the souls that will never close Buy diamond rings and expensive clothes Loneliness, the only one who will hold them close As an overcoat Drink, sniff and smoke till they overdose When love's the thing that they want the most Family gathering and a Sunday roast Locked down in a flat eating bun-up toast Psychosis, growing from the undergrowth of the subconscious Turning into monsters Break for the adverts, a message from the sponsors Smith, Klein and Beecham Paying off the doctors to fill up all our chakras with poison and toxins, so people are struggling, bro. People are suffering. It's the loneliness, brother, that ain't no love again. People are struggling, bro. People are suffering. It's the loneliness, bro. Just ask the public. If you're lonely, homies, phone me and let's go eat. Socially, smoke weed, so speak, but our whole week and home grease. A shoulder to lean on, never cold ease. And even if you don't know me, I will show love if you show me. Real ones I hold closely, foley's get smoked like rollies. I class them manners unholy, like Alistair Crowley. I keep them energies far, for them energies I don't need. I revoke thee, need to be surrounded by love and love only. Home alone. Macaulay Culkin, grown, Harry Enfield and Chums Kevin always soaking Not in tune with their intuition or emotion Listening to guidance, the spokesman has spoken Whether politicians, superstars or magicians Left us all in all like a master of a cultist magician Couldn't give a shit, no regards for our conditions To see our own kin, we could have asked for your permission People are struggling bro, people are suffering It's the loneliness brother, that ain't no Yes, look at all those lonely people. Ha <laughs> ha all right, this is where we got to leave it for now. But not to fret. If you want to finish listening to... Raggles of the Rebel Emeritus, The Eloquence of a Scribe, Part 1. In its entirety, all you have to do 
is go to our store. There you will have access not only to this particular interview, but to all of C101's unabridged interviews, musical commentaries, and merchandise. And most importantly, you will be supporting 100% independent media. Now, we promise you, the podcast you just heard was just the tip of the iceberg. So you definitely want to get the unabridged interview. Ragazoo the Rebel, Emeritus, The Eloquence of a Scribe, Part 1. Where, in addition to what you just heard, we discuss the importance of recognizing one African identity despite the multitude of idiosyncratic ethnic expressions, understanding the horizontal violence of the colonized from Franz Fanon's concept of behavioral patterns of avoidance, the importance of building independent and culturally relevant institutions, and much, much more. So we know you want to finish hearing Ragazoo Rebel Emeritus, The Eloquence of a Scribe, Part 1. Wow, that's so eloquent, right? So the link to this unabridged interview is in our show notes as well. So pick that up now. Now, now, now. All right. This episode has featured sounds from... From? Chairman Math, This World from his album Muff. The Force, My Brother's Keeper, Instrumental, and Ragazula Rebel from his albums God Complex, Holy War, Wildfire Mixtape, Official Mix by DJ Ananza, God MC, Arthur Fleck, Necromancy, and No Sleep, No Days Off. The tracks were Millie, Shut Em Down featuring Doc Four, Starve David featuring Tony Ass, No Gas featuring Big Duddy D's and The One, Magic Forest, Game of Thrones, Lonely People featuring Ideal and Study, respectively. Yeah, so all those tracks are coming in respectively, so they'll be in the order. Respective to the album. Yes, there you go. All right. So we want to thank Ragazulu Rebel for taking his time to dialogue with us about his erudicious, fructuous, and Promethean. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Cut, cut, cut the music. Did I say Promethean, Zari? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have said Imhotepian. Yes, because, I mean, I mean, you, you look up what Promethean means. It means creatively, creative, wholly original. And, you know, that just didn't sound, first of all, it just didn't sound appropriate uh, saying that's what the Greeks were, <laughs> right, when they studied in Kemet. Exactly. And just to call, I mean, according to them, that's a real word, right? Yep, that's it's a dictionary real, word. That's a real word, Promethean. Mm-hmm. Of course, they would make, you know, from their culture, a real word. Mm-hmm. Imhotepian. Oh, that's the mnemonic shit. <laughs> but hey, man, you know, I like Imhotepian, if you know who Imhotepian was. And plus, as our dear brother Rago Zulu Rebel said... <laughs> In the street lad, walking towards the star of David Keep talking real shit, cause we can't escape it In the circle, only G's are associated Real dons, we ain't friends if we ain't related And I've been a G since Imhotep Ramesses, Menelik and Melchizedek 
Ah, yeah. So now, let's read that over again, shall we? Yes, we want to thank Rago Zulu Rebel for taking his time to dialogue with us about his erudicious, his fructuous, and his Imhotepian musical career. And for more info on Rago, check out his social media and affiliated websites. You can find Rago Zulu Rebel at Twitter at Rago Zulu Rebel, Instagram at Rago Zulu Rebel, and at Rago Zulu Nation. On Facebook at, you guessed it, Rago Zulu Rebel. His website is https colon slash slash www.ragozulurebel.com and www.ragozulunation.com You can find his music on Bandcamp, search Ragozulu Rebel, on Amazon, search Ragozulu Rebel, and on SoundCloud, search Ragozulu Rebel. All right, thank you, Zari. Now, listening audience, links for music featured in this episode are available in our show notes. Links for social media and affiliated websites for Rago are also available in our show notes. And finally, all the books mentioned in this episode are also available. Do you know where? Do you know where? Do you have a clue? Have you been picking up on contextual clues? Do you know? That's right. You guessed it. In our show notes. Yeah. Okay. And don't forget, when you visit us at conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com, sign up to our mailing list for exclusive information and downloads. Hit up our store. Support 100% independent media. Also, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Conscient1. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-1. On Facebook at Conscientization101 and Instagram at c 101 editors and also before we get out of here we want to mention this uh we got we got so caught up you know in preparing this uh show that we forgot to mention also in talking about what we've been gone for a while podcast wise but we've always been here always studying because that's what we do study emphasizing on study we did a a major update to the website major update to the website uh we undertook that that you know that's really what we were doing the past like really like two years you haven't seen this but some of you guys yeah i know you've seen it way more user-friendly easy to navigate get to content got tags on there very very user-friendly so you can get this information utilize it to build those institutions wherever you are use this as a repository of information for your conscientization, for practice, theory and practice. I mean, we're not just talking about study so you can study, so you can impress people. I'm making fun of people who do that, but I know you would never do that who listen. But we were saying to do that so you can put it in action so we can see some real development. We can see ideological clarity and unity. Also, we want to mention uh, about independent artists such as Ragazulu Rebel, even such independent artists, you know, kind of like, and Cyclonius, people we know, uh, Are You One Fam, uh, 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 um, also uh, Watusi87, uh, Mercury, all our, all the people we feature on the show like that. We want to mention the fact that you need to show these, these people some love. Mm-hmm. 
right now because they put their money just like we do. It's their money. They're not sponsored. So if they put something out there, if you like it, don't say, oh, I like it. And then you go buy uh, them robot voice Negroes who dress up like women. Don't go buy that and act like our dear brothers who really doing what y'all say we don't do. Put it down. Get your ass out there and support that shit. I'm not talking about no black capitalist shit. These brothers actually produce the work. So support it. I bought Y2C 87's album. I got the new uh, RU1 Fam album. You know what I'm saying? During that two-year period, it came out. And I support them. Not because I'm doing some charity. Well, I'm support. It's because the music jams. And I like these brothers. I like the sisters uh, um, like Isis Star. And, and guess what? When you don't show them love, just like with a lot of books I like, they go out of print. You see what I'm saying? Because y'all rather listen to, yeah, I'm going to name this Negro. Y'all rather listen to a Cornell West. Y'all rather listen to Harvard-approved Negroes like Skip to My Lou for them fucking gates. <laughs> and Michael Eric Dyson. Exactly. Y'all want to listen to these fast-talking Negroes on CNN. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to real brothers like Kobe Cambone, Dale Jones, Chancellor Williams, Bobby Wright, okay, real revolutionary Pan-Africanists, Black Power Pan-Africanists, Brothers like Chin Wezu. I got a whole 300-plus page document that I we put together that you can download. You know, it's people like us that, that uh, uh, and people like the R.U. One Fam and Ragazulu Rebel who put it down and make sure you can have this good culture that can help build into conscientization. The music is not the conscientization. It, it is not the revolution itself, but it is an example of conscientization and what you can do when you have a sovereign thinking mind state of mind do you understand what i'm saying so before these brothers like rago zulu rebel who are retiring he has a plethora of work support this brother okay stop talking about they this and they that because really what you're saying is why ain't these white approved again uh some positive again and the reason why i know zari looking at me crazy because i said again but that's what they are some white approved again why ain't they positive again because that's what you're saying because you they ain't gonna never be no white approved real africans no. hear me but they're gonna be some white approved again. and rago zulu rebel is an african approved african mm-hmm. so appreciate that work that the brother retiring he got his catalog out there what you gonna do do you buy Chancellor Williams or do you say, hey, brother, let me borrow your cop? <laughs> and then you wait up to get one of these old robot, weirdo, tight pants wearing. Barrette in their hair. You'll go spend your money on that shit. You spend your money on that shit just to tear it down. Then when you tell people, oh, man, y'all need to listen to, you know, my boy Zulu, my boy Y2C87, my boy Cyclonius. He released, you know, Heroes for Hire and all that. When, when, you, when we say that. I'll get to that later, but I'm talking about because you're some negative motherfuckers. <laughs> Y'all love negativity. I don't, I'm tired of talking to Negroes about black people get hit upside the head. We don't do this. Y'all negative. You even got some 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 positive, even some white folks putting out some good ish. Okay, look, we you y'all know we play Chairman Mav. Y'all hear that shit? I hate it. Basic bubble. Chairman Mav is not an African. <laughs> not at all. But he plays some jamming ish. Okay, support real music. Not no Grammy-approved bullshit. But of course, I'm not talking to the listening audience, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, I digress. We've been gone a while. All right, we're going to see you next time with part two of our dialogue with Rago Zulu Rebel. So be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, just like I kind of went off on a rant, but I didn't. It was in the diatribe. It was was out of love. We're going to leave you with some advice that we just talked about. And then Rago, 
also agrees that you should do this is same advice. And it's the importance of always to value and the emphasis on study. Welcome to Sesame Street, and welcome to Mr. Bird's classroom. Indeed, coloring students. Ms. Rodriguez will be here soon. Listen, study, number the full of wrong company. End up in a grave over girl and money. Dop is on your mind, too and bloody. Used to be a good child, now he's machine gun Johnny. Study, don't go one go and be no crash dummy. Not for a ton fool for a little flash money. Could have been your own boss and run your own company. Now we're so lost because you don't love study. Study the friends on the keep and the ends with your creep. Food with you eat and the girl you sleep with. Reading techniques before you burst and ski. Look before you leap off the curb in the street study the ways narrows in the strays body language and the power plays the heathen and the holy holidays hear the praise are the predators nowadays my g's cross your t's dot the eyes devil's in the details so don't be surprised study the body face tits and thighs but her mind is where the real secret lies so i read lips watch gestures or as ancient manuscripts and watch lectures see previous cycles to see what's next up history repeats itself and then sets up study don't bother for the wrong company end up in a jail over girl and money doppies on your mind too and bloody used to be a good child now he's machine gun johnny study don't go wrong go and be no cash dummy not for a ton fool for a little flash money could have been your own boss and run your own company now it's all lost cause you don't love study study that like the sunday papers i don't listen chat i just watch behaviors on my nuts Sack, cause they caught the vapors And I love an hip-hop, it's just fame and status Only knew my name so I gave an A-list My rappers from the soul like Patsy and Mahalis I got love me by the boatload, crate and trailers Criticize my victory, celebrated my failures Don't call me on my name under false pretense Nine broke friends, likely it might be the tenth Crabs in the barrel only need me for my strength In my hour of need, no one there to lean against we're singing lean on me like Bill Let wisdom be a teacher or this real life will In the city life, never quiet or still Like the street life, just learn to trade a skill And study, the mother full of wrong company End up in a grave over girl and money Doppies on your mind, too and bloody Used to be a good child, now he's machine gun Johnny Study, don't go wrong, grow and be no crash dummy Not for ton fool for a little flash money Could have been your own boss and run your own company Now it's all lost, because you don't love study but I do have one little question. Mm-hmm. What does a teacher do? Well, uh, he tells kids about something they don't know, like uh, the alphabet, or he'll show them uh, how to do something, like uh, how to read or write or, or how to swim. And when he's finished, they know something that they didn't know before. Oh, thanks.